How do you do, folks? It's Brian from the editing room here. This episode was supposed to be out last week, but due to a series of busy schedules, we did not get around to editing it in time. So instead of editing this episode down, which we usually do, we let it run the full length to give you a little bit of extra ear hole pleasure. So there's an extra 25 minutes on this episode. Yeah, we pontificate a little bit, but we hope you enjoy it. Here's Ubersinko 105. to Ubersinko. What's up, Ubersinkies? It's time for you to travel west with me. We're going to the beautiful parties, the wonderful mansions, and the silver screens of Los Angeles this episode. I'm your host, Mitch Brinkman, and today we're learning about the hottest streaks we've seen, felt, and watched ooze out of Hollywood. Any director named today needs a run of three films that truly knocks your socks off and hangs you up soaking wet. Our first contestant loves the heart. He loves the magic of spectacle. And he saw Pirates 5 all about that booty in theaters over three and a half times. It's Brian Ernst. Oh, it was so good. It was so weird, though, without... Johnny Depp and it was all it was the all Amber Heard one. It was very, very strange. It was it was Amber Heard and then I think it was like three quarters of Jeffrey Rush's butt just saggy. <laughs> it was it was uh it still made over four hundred million in the US though, surprisingly enough. Our next sign of film director work is a dude who is much taller than most directors in Hollywood, not a surprise. <laughs> And he still holds the net. He still holds the Netflix record for most times renting the director's commentary DVD for Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. <laughs> it's Nathan I do like the French pronunciation. Uh, yes, nice. you very much. I've not seen that film. But you haven't? It I've was never at, seen it. It it holds up. It holds up. I might call it a banger. Like I mean, if Young Mitch would call it a banger, I enjoyed yeah. it very much. Uh, yeah, I don't know about the second one though. I never saw the second one. Was that where he goes to Europe? Yeah, European gigolo. Oh, and get, let me guess. Rob Schneider isn't refined enough to fit in. <laughs> <laughs> See, we can write these ourselves, guys. Okay. Um, please, guys, head on over to ubersingo.com to listen to this episode or our great back catalog. And again, that snazzy look, we have to thank our oldest sponsor, Mike's Liquor in beautiful downtown yes. Ely, Minnesota. Mike's Liquor, <laughs> when flowers just aren't enough. This week... <laughs> the special premium 24 pack of cold clear beer is only 12.99. Head on over to Mike's Liquor and wet cold, your whistle. Cold clear, clear beer. beer. That's, that's <laughs> Zima, right? That was uh, Well, you know, it's uh it, it, it's a land of 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 clear blue waters up there. That, that, that that's uh, kind of why yes. I said that. Yeah. So, um <laughs> But please do stick around to the end. My Fast Five, which also has to do with movies. It is the top five Ronald Reagan movie lines we'll never forget, but he most definitely did. <laughs> um, and if you uh, are just listening to the show, uh, you will figure out the rules. It's fun. We we go from five to one. We score it out. It's a game. You'll enjoy listening. Uh-huh. What a sell. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's fine. You're fine. Yeah. And this week... The house rule, whomever, is it whomever or whoever? It's what you are choose. We the, are we the object of the sentence? Or yes. Are we, okay. Then. Yes. Whomever, whomever, yeah. whomever uh, can more accurately cast me in any of your director's hot streaks. Ooh. Five bonus points. 
Okay. Oh, I, All could right. do, I could do a whole episode of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nathan, put your casting director uh, scarf on and cast away. Okay. <laughs> scarf? <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, it's accurate. I love yeah, it. Yeah, casting directors wear scarves. That's the that's what they do. Um, okay, uh, Nathan, you won the pre-show Speed Shave by finishing my back in under three minutes. Um, <laughs> congratulations, and thank you for helping me feel like a dolphin. So please uh-huh. give me your number five director with a three movie hot streak. Take it away, my dude. All right. I went with Sergio Leone. Oh, we're classic. going to the spaghetti westerns. Now yes. he's very famous, of course, for the Dollars trilogy, which yeah. is fistful of dollars for a few dollars more. Mm-hmm. And then the G-string good, the- full of dollars. No, <laughs> I don't know what the-, the the good, the bad and the ugly. Yes. But that's not the three I chose. I'm uh? chopping off the first one of the trilogy. Okay. Uh, Fistful of Dollars is basically a plagiarized version of uh, Yojimbo, which is the, the Kurosawa oh, samurai sure, sure. film. Yep. Like it is, I I, I, I saw I, <laughs> I, I saw yep. I saw the uh, the Dollars trilogy first mm-hmm. by a long shot, mm-hmm. and then years later I realized it was uh, I. Wikipedia or whatever told me, mm-hmm. oh, this is a basically a remake of Yojimbo, but it was not credited. And so I watched Yojimbo, and oh my god, is it just ex- like it is? It is like a, just a bad Xerox. It is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's an. It, they're both very entertaining, but wow, is it totally plagiarism? Same. Yeah. So. I'm going with the sequel, uh, which has maybe my favorite actor introduced, Lee Van Cleef. Oh. The guy with oh. just the greatest face in the history mm-hmm. of movies. Mm-hmm. He's just, he, he's tall, he's gaunt. Angular. Uh, he's angular. He's angular yes. is what he is. He's yes. very angular. Yes. He wears, he wears a mustache better than any man ever. He wears a hat. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if I could wear a hat like this man... I wouldn't be here with you two motherfuckers, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you would definitely be a hat model somewhere in Ohio right now, yeah. raking in the cash, for sure. But, Welcome uh, to Dayton. <laughs> but Lee, Lee Van Cleef plays uh, an, an ally, uh, an ally uh, to Clint Eastwood in this movie. And it's just, it's just a barnstorming, fun adventure. Um, but then we move on to the good, the bad, and the ugly. And now all of a sudden, Lee Van Cleef is uh he's the bad he's the villain and it's it's they're they're supposed to be at the, in the same yeah series of movies mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood's supposed to be the same character but Lee Van Cleef who's the second lead and is playing two very different people but we'll we'll forget about that yeah sure sure but uh the good the bad and the ugly absolutely perfect movie i love it like i literally have stopped myself from watching it because I am waiting to watch it again on the biggest screen possible. Mm. I just want a lazy, sunny Sunday afternoon and just to have that, the the vistas wash over me. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful movie. Yeah, you got your Eli Wallach as the ugly. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely hilarious performance in this sprawling epic. And then after this, he made Once Upon a Time in the West, which... Uh, has Henry Fonda playing a villain, mm-hmm. and he was against know, type. Of, I think against at the time, type. Right? Yes, yes, yes. One of the great heroes in early Hollywood, and now he's playing against type. And I actually, it's got the uh, Ennio Morricone score, which I mean, the when you think of a western, wah, 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 yeah, 
Ennio Morricone invented the Western score. Like yes. any, like he, because they didn't have electric guitars or whatever in the old West. But you, thankfully, I think, right? yeah, <laughs> but but like he he, he literally made a soundtrack to an entire era of American history out of nowhere. Yes. Mm-hmm. But he really fucked up in once in time in the West because there's a there's a pretty lady in it, and every time she's on, there's this just very saccharine, angelic song that plays. And um, yeah, people, a lot of people say it's like one of the five best westerns ever made, and it is. It is an, an absolutely amazing uh, piece of filmmaking. Um, it's got that guy. What's his name? Oh yeah, that Clint guy, Eastwood. You know, no, no, no. Oh. The, uh, <laughs> From uh, from Death Wish, Charles Bronson. Oh, Charles Bronson. Yeah, yeah Charles yeah, yeah. Bronson's in there. He's running around, so that's fun. He's but uh, <laughs> <coughs> it, it, the first time you see that that beautiful female character, I can't remember if it's uh, Bronson or whoever sees it first. But don't you hear like a boing, 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 noise? Like, isn't that like the first thing? It's like someone's. That was a joke. I, I, that I, was a joke. I was just kidding. I actually, I think I think there are plenty of in in the good, the bad, and the ugly, though. That's, oh, sure. Yeah, like bullets ricocheting or something. Like, boing, boing, yeah, something. Yeah. Um, but but I uh, I also I, I guess the other thing I wanted to touch on uh, and playing to the host is yep, sure, at, sure, sure, which totally is what we do in this uh, game is. Mitch and I, uh, mm-hmm. we really went to a deep, dark level of the American Western oh, yeah. in the year 2010 oh, yeah. when we played Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. And I remember very clearly. Um, My name's John Marston. <laughs> we, we played this wonderful Western video game. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to bed at like 3 a.m. one night. And. Mitch and I had uh, we'd been playing Red Dead Redemption and I go to bed and then uh, I wake up to to get a glass of water later. Mitch, Mitch had stayed up because he said he was going to play a couple games of FIFA and it's like it's like 645 in the morning <laughs> and I go across to the kitchen and I hear from the living room the Red Dead soundtrack start up again. <laughs> but let's this, run it back, yeah. baby! Come on! But the Red Dead and its and its sequel, which I couldn't finish because I was my home was burgled and my PS4 was yes. stolen, and mm-hmm. I intend to get back to it. Long story short, mm-hmm. um, it's a, it's amazing. But after, like I had uh, played this video game so much, and I hadn't seen these movies for a while, and then I went back and I watched the movies, and I'm like, oh. Every single thing from that video game and from every other Western ever made comes from these early Leone yeah. Spaghetti Westerns. Yeah. Um, I love them. Uh, so I just, you know, said that I love them in way too many words. So <laughs> I will I will stop. But I, I, I love these movies. And so that's why they're my number five. He was the first. He was the first cowboy master for sure. Because uh, I know in the prior, like the American Westerns, they made a lot of them. It was like very little did they do outside. It was a lot of like studio work, which never works for a Western. That's nap. That's never gonna feel Westerns right. Westerns are location flicks. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, they so. would, but they would also cut between like some of the great John Ford movies or something like that. It's like they're in uh, Monument Valley, these big epic shots with John Wayne, whatever. And then mm-hmm. uh, he goes into a cabin, and they cut to what is clearly a studio with cardboard <laughs> yeah. standing in place of uh, you know log cabins and it just 
it ruined and so, but also like the the heroism of the the early westerns uh mm-hmm. is just completely cut from under this because there's there's no good guys there's no bad guys it's just people trying to survive that's really what uh what started to separate the genre uh yeah. from sergio leone uh in his era best modern western Best modern Western. What would you God. say recently that has struck you as something I, very good? I'd have to say Mother-in-Law with uh, J-Lo and Jane Fonda. <laughs> Honestly, Jane Fonda was playing against type. Um, and, no. You just wanted to say playing against <laughs> type again. So, so did, do, did, do, we mean, do we mean Western that's a period Western or no, a... just a Western um, style flick. All right. Hell or High Water. That was going to be my pick. Jeff Bridges. Mm. Yes. Uh, ben Foster. Amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I p- part of me wants to say, I'm like, what, what other like, what's what's the 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 hallmarks of a western? It's really is like people trying to survive, backstabbing back and forths. Uh, maybe Star Wars: The Force Awakens. No, I was gonna say actually, I'll say another <laughs> film starring Ben Foster, Rampart. Woody Harrelson. Oh my god! In that's a way, a great movie. in a way, that's a western. I, I think. agree with yeah. that. That's that yeah. movie. I have to say this every time somebody mentions this movie, and it's not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. One of the things I like to say about a great actor is I would watch them eat a sandwich. Mm-hmm. There is a scene in Rampart that is just a drunk Woody Harrelson eating a burrito, <laughs> and it is amazing. <laughs> he really eats that burrito. Yes, he does. He oh really God. eats that burrito. Um, Nathan, I was I was going to give you two points, but you mentioned the burrito scene in Rampart, so, you, so you're going to get three. I know I shouldn't tell you what your score is before uh, this round is over. I know that's... Taboo. I'm sorry, Brian. I will. Okay. I will not say anything else that I'm going okay. to shut up. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, uh, Brian. Let's let's hear your number five. Is it is it uh, is it as good? I don't know because I'm going to cheat on this one a little bit. Why is that? This one is a cheat. Why I have that? not seen the third film, and that is because it has been released this week. Oh, so I haven't had a chance to see it. Okay, but I have a very very this is dangerous. Brian. Good this chance dangerous, Brian. that it's okay. going to be. Very, very, very good. Okay. So I have picked director Jordan Peele. Oh, yes, of course. Get Out, Us, and now Nope. Sure. Now, I feel like one of the reasons I picked him is that, one, I really like these first two. And from what I've seen in the mystery surrounding this new one, I feel like it's going to be above and beyond. Mm -hmm. And another thing, too, is when I was looking through his work, I noticed how many white guys I had picked. And I was like, holy shit, it is so hard to find either women or people of color who have these kinds of streaks. Sure. I mean, Spike Lee's got a lot of stuff. I was talking earlier about Anton Fuqua has a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. But to find like three in a row, again, this is personal choice and taste coming into it, too. Yep. Um, I had it with Fincher. I was looking through like there's a couple of them I was like there like this is good, but. Benjamin Button's not really my thing, so that kind of throws off my streak. Sure, yeah. So a lot of bias comes into this too, but yeah. again, it comes to opportunity. It, and, do, do you yeah, know that's, like Benjamin that's Button because you're the, just the big, jealous? The big word is is opportunity. Is opportunity. It's opportunity. Like, yeah. You were talking about Jane Campion off off yeah. Mike earlier, and it's too. It's just like, well, it's really hard to find. Yeah, I, I like. I would love to do an episode where I talk about Jane Campion, but she's. It, she didn't qualify for this, not because she's not an amazing director, because I think she's one of the best ever, yes. but women and people of color haven't had the opportunity to direct 30 films where then they can have the streak of exactly. Three in a row. Yeah. So I think almost everyone who's on my list has easily upwards of 40, 50 credits. Sure. Which yeah. is ridiculous, not including music videos, documentaries, and other things. 
which is the only way you can get a streak yeah. like this. So yeah. we, unless you're Jordan Peele and you yeah, come out right. of the gate and knock it out of the park. So, so we are acknowledging that uh, this episode is predicated on a lot of white male privilege. <laughs> yes. We are, but it is there. Yeah, which which is, which is the first episode that's really been prevalent, I think, in, in Uber Cinco. <laughs> <laughs> we are, of course, three white guys in our thirties. Yes. So, yeah. Um, Okay, so, all right, so I, I haven't seen Us. Can you give me, like, a quick, just a really quick 15, 20-second sales pitch on why that movie was so damn good? Um, and, and honestly, I don't care if you spoil it a bit, because I would like to see it at some point anyway. It's going to be hard to explain why it's so good without spoiling, but there is a level of uneasiness that you don't get from Get Out. Get Out is kind of, like, the uneasy because you know a certain character is going through this. Yep. Uh, us, you have an entire family being almost stalked by doppelgangers. Oh boy. Oh gosh. Okay. So it's very terrifying. They're very violent. Ooh. And they almost lead you into Stranger Things fans out there, almost an upside down, almost a different oh, realm, different world okay. than where they come from. Okay. And you did later learn that there has been a a switch. Either Got somebody it. you think is real is not, blah, oh. blah, blah. And it leads back down a very, very dark path of when that actually happened. Oh, boy. It's very unsettling. It's very creepy. It's very well acted. Mm. It is very cool. And uh, it's awesome. Lupita Nyong'o, right? She mm-hmm. fucking knocks it out of the park in this one. Mm-hmm. So she's fantastic, which is why I think it's a great follow-up to Get Out. And then everything I've heard, I've heard reviews of Nope, but I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, it, there's no way it's exactly what I expect. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm going to go in there. And then uh, there was a great quote saying, why did Jordan Peele call it that? He said, I wanted to name the movie what black people are going to say after they see the movie. <laughs> That's going to nope. be their reaction. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That alone wants to get me in the door and mm-hmm. just figure out because I want to say nope to what the fuck is going on in this movie mm-hmm. that makes people want to get up and. I, I, I have seen the trailer and I do love that someone cut a trailer or what, what you know, what, one of the, the trailers out where it's just like five, six straight characters being like, nope. Yep. Nope. Yep. Nope. Mm, nope. Uh-uh. Nope. Uh-huh. Nope. And, and, and if that's the feeling that it gives me, perfect. Yes. So I will report back in a later episode after I've seen it. And I'm okay. hoping I will see it very, very soon. I would definitely watch uh, several characters express a negative sentiment. Over mm-hmm. two hours, I would. Yeah. Oh, that sounds That's, good. Yeah. Sounds I would also good. listen to negative sentiments for an hour too. Again, ubersinko.com <laughs> back catalog of previous episodes. Awesome. Okay, um, Brian, is there anything else you want to add about Jordan Peele? Are you, um, I don't know, any any background about him? I know that he came from the sketch world. He formerly he was does. on Mad he's TV. He's great as a sketch. He's great at sketch. He does everything. The best Obama impersonation that there is. Best I think, Obama. Right? He's got. He's great on Kroll Show too, yeah. And, yeah. and some roles. He approaches things the way I think we do in terms of really. Yeah, because we are we are stop, fucking great. Stop, stop. <laughs> His main philosophy is: I just want to make something that I want to see. And oh, it's like, okay, fair, fair, fair. That's I like what that. I, I like. That. I, I like that. that where he, that's where he comes from. He's like, but yeah. he has succeeded. <laughs> Correct. We've got time, you guys. Yes. We're all very middle aged. We're <laughs> not that young, but still, there's still that time. We've learned from Hollywood, though. Age doesn't matter. You can tell people any age you want. You know, anytime just I move that yard marker, I just keep moving it until I hit Harlan Sanders. There we go. KFC. Yep. That's a, that's where my marker finally ends at 83. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
I got a lot more years. I got Very 50 cool. something before I can quit. Okay, uh, Brian, I'm going to ask you a tough question here. Do it. Um, where can you cast me in any of these movies? You can't. Uh, you'd have to be the villain and get out. That's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't cast you in, in any of those westerns because you would sunburn too quickly. <laughs> I think I think I could be like a creepy guy that lives in the mountains in one of these westerns who's just like perpetually blistering from the sun and is like, yeah, hey, hey, boys, you want some, you want some old beans or something? You know, like something like that, and you're like. They're like, McCubbin, stay away from us, you creepy old <laughs> goblin, you know. McCubbin, the bean goblin. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I mean, I should, I, again, I shouldn't be casting these products for you. That That's your job this round. Um, uh, Brian, um, you've, you've, you've wet my whistle to see Nope. I wouldn't mind if you invited me to go watch it with you. Doesn't mean you have to, but I'm just suggesting and putting it out there. This is an invitation. Consider it. Thank you very much. Um, it is, first, I want to take a point away for you putting in a movie you haven't seen yet. I know, I know. It was a risk. But you broke the rules. You played by your own, and that's bold. So I'm giving that point back. Three points for both yes. of you. Um, I'm sure no one was expecting that right either. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, number four from Nathan. Let's go back over to you, uh, you tall, gangly fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> call um, back. Call back. Call back. Call back. I I went with a director named Quentin Tarantino. What? What's that? Oh, oh, baby. Nathan, just dance a little bit. Just, just no, shake the shoulders. I don't shoulders. have to dance anymore. We're not on video. Yes, no, shake the shoulders. Brian, shake <laughs> shake the forearms. There we go. That's what I'm talking about, baby. All right. Nathan, your number four was Quentin Tarantino. We have Quentin Tarantino also on Brian's list. Brian, where do you have uh, the the giant four-headed man on your on your? <laughs> this is going to be very controversial. Why I that? have him at number one. Oh, okay. Wow. We have a, we have a Quentin head in, in the studio today. Yes. Okay. Why is it so controversial in your opinion? I feel like he's the stereotypical when white guys say they like movies. Oh, like, what do you yeah. like? Um, yeah, like the Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not that happy that I have him on my list either, to be honest. I know. I will explain my reasonings, but Nathan has the floor first. So you I guys, know. you guys, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you the pass right now. You just no longer feel guilt about being white and enjoying Quentin Tarantino, all right? <laughs> just enjoy it. <laughs> That's you. fine. Yeah. We appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. Um, let's go, uh, Nathan, tell us about uh, why you th- uh, just love Quentin Tarantino so much. <laughs> well, my my three movies, I went with his uh uh with Reservoir Dogs, okay. Pulp Fiction, Ooh. Jackie Brown. Mamma Mia. Okay. Now, uh Reservoir Dogs, I am a huge fan of because it it's an interesting way to tell a story where the main action happens off-screen and you mm-hmm. see the fallout from it. Mm-hmm. Uh from several different characters perspectives, it's very cool. Um is it one of the greatest movies of all time? Yes. It, it probably oh. isn't. Oh. But it's really, it was, at the time, it was really, uh, really unique. Mm-hmm. And then Pulp Fiction, I mean, I don't want to be a white guy on a podcast talking about Pulp Fiction. That's happened probably way too much. It, it's what created the advent of podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And so Pulp Fiction, everybody knows about it. If you don't know about it, I, it. I got nothing to say. Uh, but T- Top three college dorm room posters. Yes. Yeah. Easily, Animal House. Although Pulp actually, Fiction, I, I do, Saints. I do want to cast you in Pulp Fiction. Oh, you though. do! Oh, wonderful! I, do. I love it. I, love I it. want to Which cast one? you as the heroin dealer, uh, 
the guy in the bathrobe, you could, oh. which I'm actually going to cast you in the same bathrobe later on in the, in the list. I think you can <laughs> oh. probably predict yes. yep, what yep, 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 I'm yep, going yep. for there. Ooh. But the, that role, uh, this is my one little fun piece of trivia. Uh, Quentin Tarantino wanted to cast, or according to legend, wanted to cast Kurt Cobain as that uh, heroin dealer. Really? Interesting. Which would have been amazing. Yes. But, uh, of who, course who, who was in that role instead? I don't, I don't know his name. Just some weird guy, random guy. Um, okay. Just random guy, yeah. Well, I, I check I, I, IMDb. Well, later. you know, I'm, I'm thinking about drug dealers in robes, and I can only think of Alfred Molina from Boogie Nights. That's a great one for right? yeah. drug Sorry. dealers. Yeah. Sorry, I, I don't want to pull you off your track. Get back on your train. There we um, go. Keep, well, keep chugging. Well, the, the real reason, like, I mean, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction are talked about mm-hmm. endlessly. Mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino's best movie by a mile is Jackie Brown. This is wow. Just okay, hot take. Perfect. That's a hot take. This movie is absolutely. Do not lick your mic because it will burn your tongue. That's a hot take. <laughs> it is so amazing in in, in every way. Um, Robert Forster is like the male lead, mm-hmm. and I mean Robert, Robert Forster. Forster. Yeah, R.I.P. Not R.I.P. Yeah. Not a household name, but he should be. But he absolutely steals the film from no less than. Samuel L. Jackson mm-hmm. and Robert De Niro, who play supporting roles. And here's the great thing about both of them is they play supporting roles. They don't try to steal the show. Robert yeah. De Niro is so subdued in this movie, yeah, which is not what you associate late career Robert De Niro with, where he's just mm-hmm. doing a, doing an impression of himself from when he was younger. In a, but it's, yeah. uh, of course, Pam Greer. Is incredible in the title role. Boing, 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 boing. Right, so she is. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's one of the most beautiful people who's ever lived. Mm. There, there are several scenes in this movie that are just. She plays a flight attendant, but she's just walking, and they play, <laughs> and, and it's just her walking through an airport. It just follows her for like 45 seconds and they play Bobby Womack's uh, 110th Street. Oh, and, great, uh, great song. I've, I've, I've met Bobby Womack, you know, whatever. Right. I'll okay. tell that story on another episode. But wow. um, Hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like I could I could watch her walk through an airport for two and a half hours. What about eating a burrito? <laughs> she doesn't eat a burrito in the movie. <laughs> but if if I see her at a, at a uh, my local burrito uh, establishment, establishment I will just I will buy some popcorn and I, I, I should probably just buy a burrito and watch her <laughs> yeah, eat the burrito. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Pam Greer, stay here. I gotta get some popcorn. Be back to watch you one second. Yeah. No burrito for me, please. <laughs> but then, then also, uh, I mean, the the movie is beautifully written. It's uh, based on an Elmore Leonard novel. Elmore Leonard. Uh, oh yeah. I believe I got the right name there. But uh, I read some of his books. He writes amazing dialogue. There's been many, many movies adapted from his stuff. But the cool thing is. That Michael Keaton plays a supporting role in this movie, and Michael there is an there wow. there is another movie from a year later. Uh, Jackie Brown was ninety seven in ninety eight. Out of sight, an excellent movie uh, starring George Clooney and J Lo, mm-hmm. um, was based on an Elmore Leonard novel. And they there is I mean completely different directors. N- there's no reason for them to have a shared universe. Mm-hmm. But Michael Keaton plays the same character in a supporting role in that movie. D- very different tones. Whatever, but there's this a neat little crossover wow. of Michael Keaton between the two, and they're both great. Like so, it's kind of cool if you you can you know maybe 
on a lonely summer uh, week where you're by yourself and sad and lonely and sad but you could you could watch uh you could watch them back to back and you could see michael keaton in two worlds um i yeah i i I, i've probably gone on long enough but i love jackie brown and i don't know why when people talk about quentin tarantino they talk about his other movies Mm -hmm. i have negative things to say about some of his other stuff but jackie brown is just perfect and so that's why this is on my list uh do you remember where you were the first time you saw jackie brown Yes, I was in the uh, apartment that Steve Moore and I lived with on Halstead, mm. 2200 something Halstead, uh, Halstead and Webster here in Chicago. We lived okay. there for about nine months. So you've never seen Jackie Brown in a theater? I have not. Either. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, say those comments that you said you had about the other films, because I have a feeling that they might come up in Brian's answer here. So. Um, uh, I, Hateful Eight is an absolute piece of dog shit. Well, okay, That's- hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, 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 okay. Brian, Brian, you just coughed. Are you okay? To I'm good. Forward? I'm so you're, good. You're good. Okay. Uh, Brian's brow just furrowed. He's ready to compete. Uh, he has gotten his go juice ready to rumble. There it is. Uh, classic Blue Ribbon winning beer. Actually, at the 1893 World's Fair here in Chicago, PBR took home the number one spot. Still still riding on those laurels today. Um, why, okay. why wouldn't you? Exactly. Um, you're welcome for that nice little historical tidbit. Brian, uh, tell us why you love Quentin Tarantino just so freaking much. <laughs> <laughs> I base my... Because he's your number one. This, so this is your number one director. Actually, and, but I don't want to undercut Go you, ahead. but there's one little thing I do like about Quentin Tarantino that it's just so small, but I really love it. Mm. Is when he His was... baby. When no, he sorry. was on, uh, he was on Conan O'Brien in like sometime in the mid two thousands, and you know, like they have the lead guest on mm-hmm. these late night shows back in the day, mm-hmm. and then the lead guest usually just leaves. Yes. Mm-hmm. Every time I saw Quentin Tarantino on Conan's show, no matter who the next guest was, if it was just like some C level reality star, or if it was a really cool actor, whoever it was, Tarantino always stayed. I really like that. That's true. He did. He also, we know he grew up loving and watching talk shows and TV all his goddamn childhood because he had zero siblings. I think, <laughs> I think he was a, an only child. Yeah. So um, a true lover of the art form. Brian, tell us why you are a true lover of his art form. So my main reasoning for all this on this list is three movies in a row that I think have superior rewatchability. Mm-hmm. What is something... Lebowski to, to Mitch. What is it, something you can always put on and feel mm-hmm. good and, and watch it and enjoy it because you liked it for what it was. Mm-hmm. Now, these are not my three favorite movies of all time, yep. but three in a row from this person. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackie Brown isn't on my list because I don't like Jackie Brown. I like Hateful Eight. Wow. Okay. Hateful Eight is on my list leading into Django Unchained. I'm sorry. Ending. Inglorious yep. Bastards, Django Unchained, ending with Hateful Eight. Okay. Now. I understand the criticisms of Hateful Eight. Do wow. not get me wrong. Okay. I understand them. It, it would make such a better four-part miniseries, which they ended up cutting it into on Netflix later anyway. Okay. It works way better okay. as that. Okay. But I use it there because I could not not have Inglorious Bastards on my list here somewhere. That in terms of rewatchability from Brad Pitt performance on and – Christoph Waltz, that opening scene of oh, 20 minutes yes, at a yes, table yes. on yep. a dairy farm, introduced the world to Christoph Waltz mm-hmm. and then spoiled us because yep. I, honestly, he's never been that good since. Yeah. Because yeah, and, then, and then they 
just completely misused him in Bond movies, which I'm yes, very still upset exactly. about. I, that's, a, that's a different episode. He, he put a bad taste in my mouth. He used my name. He was Ernst Stavro Blofeld. Come on. <laughs> God damn that it. is your name. I never put that yeah. together. Yes. Yeah. His first name is Ernst, everybody. <laughs> yep. That's what I got to say about that. I, I do very much enjoy when he's in the French farmhouse, when he's asking for the, the 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 absolute levity and joy he has in his voice when he's asking for the milk. Oh, my God. It's great. But have a milk, please. Yes. And he's just, yeah. And the weaving in and out of languages and the constant, like, the second you see him on screen, mm-hmm. his uniform should tell you exactly the type of character you're seeing. Yep. And that's not what you get. No, not at all. That's and true. he is the happiest, smiliest, most genuine kind of person throughout that entire movie. Mm-hmm. And he's the most evil. Yes, he and is. And you it's really hard to find that. So there's a lot of Inglorious Bastards that I have find uh very rewatchable. And then when you go to his character in Django, where he does a completely 180 and is the nice guy mm-hmm. in terms of using a shitty uh, a shitty uh, system to his advantage in order to help somebody else, then to the point where he gets so kind of almost disgusted with his morals that he sacrifices himself because it's the right thing to do. He's, he's a bounty hunter, basically. Right? He is a bounty yeah, hunter. Okay. But the whole reason he entraps Jamie Foxx's character of Django is because he can't say no. Got it. So he basically uses him to find people, blah, blah, blah. Then eventually he makes sure that he's free and then they go and save his wife, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But uh, I enjoyed that movie a lot. Now when it comes to Hateful Eight, I saw it in 70 millimeter with the full theatrical experience. Was this at the at the Quentin Tarantino Q and A at the at the? I don't the, think so. I just remember being like really excited watching a lot of that behind the scenes stuff. How we got all got pumped up for Top Gun. It's like, oh mm-hmm. look what they did! Did this? Sure, sure, sure. And there's a lot of talk of the was it? Did you get the 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 commemorative book that came with the the release? I don't know. Did you? I did. I did not. I don't yeah. think I got. Mm-hmm. I think I got a piece of 70 millimeter film though. Oh wow! With mine, okay. that was pretty cool. Okay. Um. So I forgot what is it Cinemascope? That's what they filmed it in. It's like two nine to one aspect ratio, whatever. It's very very wide. I don't know what that means, Brian. Yes, so I am to, sorry. Yeah, no, I will, okay. we'll go into that in another episode. Yeah, but uh, it's extremely wide, kind of like the vistas we were talking about with sure. Sergio Leone. Sure, and it has uh, what's his face? What's the score? It's a score by um, Maricone. Ennio Morricone. Yes. yes. So it's like the first time he got him to do a score in forever, mm-hmm. which is like kind of cool to bring us back to that. But the criticism I see of it, but the reason I kind of like it, it's, it's a two part movie. Mm-hmm. It's a movie in a stagecoach. Just like Bad Boys 2. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's a movie in a stagecoach and then it's a movie in a house. Mm-hmm. The whole movie takes place in those two locations for four hours. Mm-hmm. I understand why people don't like that. <laughs> yep. But Kurt Russell is kind of a badass in this, and he's a complete piece of shit. And he's—he's not really kind—he's kind of of like a bounty hunter, sure, because he's uh, taking Jennifer Jason Lee through whatever. Yep, he's kind of the bounty hunter character. But uh, there's a lot of this cool backstory with what's going on with that. There's this whole shitty legend of them breaking a guitar in the film, which is really horrible. That was on loan from like the Smithsonian and they didn't. Yeah, switch they it actually broke the fucking guitar, which yeah. God damn it. Yeah, there was something on loan from that era. From wait, wait, the museum. I, I, like, I had I, no it, idea. The, the guitar that's yes. broken in the movie was actually a priceless guitar. Yes. And oh. why would they Darren, ever take it from the actual museum? It because, was for close because, because they told oh. because they told them that they wouldn't 
break it and then quentin tarantino's like well you know it would be it might be it might be really cool if like we broke it it would be cool because we might break it and um, he that, didn't that's my decide. terrible yes in tarantino impression but it's anyways, also, they it's broke also the guitar. it's also wrong because he did not decide to do that there was always in the plan to break a guitar they didn't swap it out and watch is why jennifer jason lee's reaction in the movie is as horrifying as it really uh, is because so she, she didn't know that it was she she knew it was real but the message didn't get to Kurt that they didn't switch out the prop. Oof. So when he pulls it out of her hand and slams it, her reaction is horror because she knows what just happened she and nobody right, else does. Right. Wow. So that's really, I mean, it's upsetting, obviously, because there's a priceless piece of uh, Music history, history that's yeah. gone. Yeah. But uh, I'm on, Interesting. it's a weird scar on that movie. But yeah. it is a very strange yes. scenario. And it's also an oddly paced movie. It's an oddly, it's a very strange movie. It's something that I shouldn't like on paper. Okay. Yeah. But my experience it of seeing it in the theater with a real intermission and like coming back and having that like weird old school experience mm-hmm. and seeing very, what I consider to be like kind of a classic Western type thing was interesting to me, which is when, when you watch it at home, do you stop halfway through, go like shit, shower and shave, have, have a meal and come back and finish it? Or I have to do, do that with go, every movie. So oh, okay. Fair enough. My hair grows so fast and my fair bowels enough. fill up so quickly. I always have to shave and shower. Okay. So, okay. We've discussed that. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, what was, I'm tr- trying to think of what was the thing that, uh, I was going to ask you a question about Nathan made a comment. It was prior to the guitar thing. Um, and now I've lost it now because I w- wanted some more argument or argumentation between you two. Uh, but I think we've lost it. I think it could have been maybe because I, I have seen Jackie Brown the least out of his movies. Okay. And I think that if I rewatched it, my wait, opinion wait, wait, would When you say the least, that means you've still seen it more than once? I've seen it probably only once. Oh, okay. Okay. And it's probably been at least a decade since I've seen it. Okay. I have a very strong feeling that if I watched it today, this list would change. Yeah. I have the same strong feeling. I think you would love it. Yeah. yeah. I really do. Yeah. I, I hate to say it, but my my grading of this is going to be, because you've both spoken, um, not eloquently, pretty pretty low-minded um, about these movies. Nobody nobody would accuse um, us of that. That's, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, no. I, I, that, that was merely a, a point of mirth. Um, but uh, I think based on my experience of The Hateful Eight, and watching it in the theater, and I fell asleep. Actually, not a I, good I, sign for me. <laughs> I, I have to be. I have to be honest with you. And um, I do love Robert Forster. Man, there are ta- tales told in his forehead and in his. In, in his <laughs> he in does his have brow. a great forehead. Oh, he? such an incredible forehead. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna. My my slumber, and Forster's forehead. That's that's gonna take the take take the cake. Excuse me, uh, for this stare down today. So three points to Nathan. Um, and I'm sorry, Brian, zero to you. Uh, but of course, if you do want to cast me in any of these films, Brian, uh, that is your chance to do yeah, that. Yeah, you look like a Nazi, so I'm going to put you in <laughs> Glorious <laughs> I think you'd make a great Nazi. Just kidding. Your hair would make you, they'd what? kill you so fast. They would kill me? What do you mean? Did, did they kill gingers back then? Well, they you're did. not blonde, so yes. Oh, that's true. Okay, good point. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, um, that was, Nathan, your number four. So, Brian, mm-hmm. we're going to go back to you for your number four. Give that to me right now, please. Number four. Don't wait. Martin Scorsese. Oh, oh! See, you made me go fast. I couldn't even say it right. <laughs> Scorsese. Uh, Martin Scorsese. I went The Aviator, The Departed, The Aviator. Interesting. And Shine a Light, The Rolling Stones. 
Okay, we're gonna have a lot to talk about here. Wow! Yes, this is I'm, okay. For for those of you who are listening, I'm standing up and stretching. Yeah, I am. Yep. Nathan is is. Uh, I figured I figured this would cause some conversation. Nathan is preparing himself for a high school track meet. He's put on his Morpheus glasses. He's ready to <laughs> run. Uh, I'm gonna run um, the 400 meters yeah. in 56.3 seconds. Yeah, there you go. Okay, why? I feel like he's got so many other streaks that are I'm, better. Why this one? Look at it in a row. They're hard for me to find. Ones that don't have the streak for me. Okay. Aviator is crazy. It's just bananas kind of movie. Sure. It's, it's almost exactly the same as Wolf of Wall Street, just in a different era in okay. terms of how nuts this guy is. Um, the Departed was something that I had to come around on for a while. I remember seeing it once and being like, oh, yeah, good movie, blah, blah, blah. And then kind of seeing like, oh, it was based on kind of a, a, a ripoff of, of a Chinese film. And I was like, all right, cool. Then I went and I watched that. Was it Internal Affairs? Internal Affairs. Yeah. I did not like Internal Affairs. Oh, sure. I okay. watched it and I was like, okay, I could see why somebody wanted to remake this. Sure. And then you go back and watch The Departed and it has just enough in it to where it's like, all right. It's got enough scenes where I'm like, okay, this is fine for a rewatch. I like it. It's mm-hmm. very on the nose. Mm-hmm. We know exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The Boston accents are out of control, but it's entertaining enough where I'm just like, yeah. Uh, who who's your favorite uh, Boston accent in the movie? Who, who who? Oh, the best accent in the movie is Matt Damon by far. He's the worst. Yeah, he's not. Good he's at he's it. a horrible offender of it. Yeah. But the best Boston accent in the movie is Alec Baldwin. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because he's the he's the FBI boss character, so therefore he has to have the authority behind his voice. Yeah, and it's very Jack Kennedy. Yes, like yeah, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, I like that. Um, I, I always laugh whenever Mark Wahlberg talks in that movie. <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's always a chuckle for me. <laughs> it is good. And he's like, I'm, f- I'm fucking dignant. Who the fuck do you think you are? And you're like, yeah. oh, boy. I would I would like to point out, yeah, that this movie does feature the song "Give Me Shelter." Oh, that's from right. the Rolling this Stones, but not the original version. It's a version from uh, a show they did in Amsterdam in 1995. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That so is a not thing even that I know, which is just going to lend some credence to everything I'm going to say about the next movie Brian is going to talk about. <laughs> wow. Now, this next one is on my list for one scene and one scene only. Okay. A neurotic Scorsese in the directing booth, not being able to get the opening song from Mick before they go live. Yeah, that that is. And this is the only reason it's on my list. And for a and one other shot, man, shot on IMAX cameras for God's sakes. Yeah. And there's one shot of Mick at the mic where it's just it's on a jib arm and it completely goes around Mick. And this is this is at the like a Clinton Foundation show or something, right? Isn't isn't that right? I don't know where it's at. I gotta remember. I, I, I remember uh, watching this, this, this in IMAX films. with with you, I think is what I don't think I was there. No? No. It okay. was uh but the the film it was I'm pretty sure the I Beacon saw Theater. It. Beacon, yeah. And I'm pretty sure I saw it in IMAX. And I the scene is burned into my brain. And every time I can find this, I watch it just for that, just to watch him flip out. It's hilarious. You know, <laughs> Scorsese wants to know the running order of the show. So oh, yeah. He can How weird. It. Somebody who's directing yeah. wants to know the song but, so he can put the cameras in the but, right place. But Mick Jagger just thinks it's funny to not tell him. Correct. And so he just doesn't tell him. Yes. And if Martin Scorsese, who has overused Rolling Stone songs in all yes. of his movies, mm-hmm. and I say that as the biggest Rolling Stones fan that I'm aware of. Yep. 
but he overuses them. And it's like, it's pr- there, there's a short list of songs that they would open with. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, Start and then, me and up, then, right. That yeah. is and, then, and then guess, Oh, it's jumping Jack flash. Who could have ever fucking predicted that? Yes. Like they, but, um, yeah, but his like panicking with like papers and I'm like, why do you need this to like feel the moment? It is, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it is, it is funny. Also, aren't you filming it? You can re-edit this any way that you want. That's but a great point. Can I, can I say my piece? <laughs> I want to. I, I want to hear you. I'm burning over here. So I am a huge Rolling Stones fan. No. Yeah. I literally, within the last few weeks, flew to London to watch them perform at their 60th anniversary tour. I've eh, seen them not, six times. Not all of them. The ones that are still alive. <laughs> filthy, filthy, filthy. Love it, love it, love it. And if I was to meet somebody who had never heard of the Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. ever, and they were like, can you, oh, you really like this band, please show me some video evidence of why they are good. Shine a Light is the last thing I would ever show them. It's got to be first. There are yeah. so many... So many clips on YouTube I could come up with that are better than that. Scorsese fucked up the Rolling Stones. How do you do that? I actually remember my dad watched this for the first time on Amazon like three months ago. And he was like, have you ever seen, you know, Shine a Light, the Scorsese? I was like, yeah. And he was like, it really wasn't very good. I'm like, I know, it's just not very good. Like, it sounds like they recorded it as if it was in a tin can. Mm-hmm. And it just... It's it's bad. It's like like yeah. There's some fine moments because there's some good songs and they're good performers, but it sucks. This is the it's me. This is me saying this. Yep. I love the Rolling Stones more than I love anything else in the world, and I don't like this concert movie directed by Martin Scorsese of the Rolling Stones. How did he fuck it up? Okay, th- this is another reason why I saw this at the Navy Pier IMAX Theater here in Chicago. And Nathan at this time, already a giant Stones fan, you know, a- already preaching preaching gospel. This movie delayed my fandom of the Stones by at least, like, pr- like good fandom, by at least 10 years. Exactly. Yeah. It, it turns, it will turn you off. I fell asleep at China Light as well. I remember falling asleep real How real do you fall asleep in a movie theater at all? When the, when the movie's boring and it sounds like a tin can, it just it brings me right back to Well, the, we've proven you can fall asleep anywhere. So well, it's like. <laughs> that's a very good point. The Might best. as well be my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I and, will and, be your father, has, damn it. I'll it, be your daddy. It, that's okay. okay. The, this movie has unnecessary cameos. Like like Jack White joins them on stage and Christina Aguilera joins them. Yeah. Like, like, that's fucking Rolling Stones. Just let them be the Rolling Stones. And yeah. the, the best the best thing from these sessions is there's actually a version of uh, All Down the Line. And somebody has got the original footage and it's just Charlie Watts the Mm -hmm. whole time. Mm -hmm. And you can see the master at work, just him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the best thing that they got from those sessions. I mean, I don't know. I, it, it just, it's bad. I like just, if, if you, if you have any interest in the Rolling Stones, just go to YouTube and be like Rolling Stones, whatever. And whatever yeah. you find will be better than shine a light. So Brian, I am a deeply personally offended that you have this on your list. Can I yeah. make a confession? Yeah. What's that? That's why it was on my list. <laughs> <God> damn it. <laughs> 
Wow, the trap has been I can, set. I, can, I will be happy with zero points for this because I got that. I the trap has been set. The the, the doe-eyed deer fell into the hole. The, uh, the, the I don't give a shit about Shine a Light at all. I don't give a shit about oh, it. I should, how did I not see this coming? <laughs> Uh, I love uh, I've uh, for us having to 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 wince at the volume of Nathan's uh, anger. Um, Brian, you're getting two points. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, the yeah. game is being played. Um, absolutely. Great job. Also, the, yeah, the Brian's playing 3D chess. right? Yes, now. he is. Yes, he freaking is. <laughs> You're playing, you're, you're playing checkers and he's playing Monopoly. You know, it's just a whole different, uh, I think that's the saying, right? That's, sure, it, it yeah. is now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but but the, the, the correct answer for the Scorsese three film run was the King of Comedy, After Hours, and Color of Money. So, I've close. never seen King of Comedy. Oh, you haven't? Oh, well, it's- that's, um, And again, that, that- Have you seen The Joker? I have. It's the same movie. <laughs> same same film. You, you've, you've seen King of Comedy. Uh, it's just an older- uh, De Niro. Yeah. yeah. Um, After Hours, also great movie. Have to see that. I cannot more highly recommend to both of you. Uh, it's Griffin Dunn uh, just having an absolutely hellacious night. I could I could uh, understand. Yes, um, out, it. out 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 in uh, Manhattan. So um, Manhattan. Please, yes, please go check that out. Color of Money also. I mean, far too many. Um, uh, what, what, what's the kind of shot when you put it on a track and you zoom in at the actor? It's a what do you, what 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 do you, what do you call that? You know, like the, just a push in or yeah, yeah, a push in. Which Scorsese loves those, right? Well, he also loves the dolly counter zooms where he's like pushing in and zooming out. You zoom oh, out, you push in, and you zoom a out. A zolly, yeah, yeah. sometimes it's called, yeah. or a dolly counter. So zoom. classic Scorsese hard push with a zoom out does too many of those in color money, but you cannot beat Paul Newman and Tommy Cruise. Best so. best zolly of all time. What? Where? Jaws. Jaws is the famous one. Yeah. That's oh, um, sure, sure, sure. When Shider's on the beach and he finally makes the connection of what's happening, because it's being used for a character shift and it's yeah. actually being used for the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. That or Vertigo. That was going to be my second Vert- one. Yeah. Vertigo is a great one. That's true. Okay. Wow. Just throwing out references that I don't necessarily know. Off the top of my head, so, um, but I've never seen a Sergio Leone film. So. I, I, oh, there we go. I'm in the dark on some of this too. You know what? I'm going to give you both a bonus point for saying shit I did totally didn't understand right then and there. So <laughs> there you nice go. Nice job. All right. Number threes. We need those now. Um, Nathan, uh, you won the stare down. Brian, I'm giving you two points. You get the bonus point. Um, so Brian, or sorry, back to Nathan for his number three. Give uh, it to me. Well, it starts with Vertigo, actually. Hey. Oh, uh, really? Uh, yeah. I got Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock. here. Hitchcock. So go. I have Vertigo, North by Northwest, and Psycho. And I want That's to pretty good. I want to also say that he had an I mean, this guy made like a lot of movies. Sixty movies or something. Yeah. He also had a run of Dial M for Murder, Rear Window, which is maybe uh, my favorite movie I love of all Rear time. Window. Yeah, I agree. Yep. And then To Catch a Thief with uh Cary Grant and uh, That one I've never seen. My God, how am I forgetting her name? The Princess of Monaco. Grace Kelly. Grace, Grace Kelly. Kelly. You're welcome. Um um, he, he actually technically on IMDb has 69 directing credits. Hey, all right. All right. All right Hitchcock. Nice. All right. Uh, but in, in his, the run that I'm actually, uh, putting up for defense here, Vertigo, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people say this is the best movie of all time. I actually don't think it is. I don't either. But it's hmm. it, it's got it, it, it does. I I do I yes. do think oh, it gets. Yes. I yes. think I now I just uh, think uh, that it deserves uh, uh, some consideration because it has an elderly Jimmy Stewart. So <laughs> it's a pretty good film. Um, 
and it gives me the opportunity to do the one impression I can do. Yes. Um, North by Northwest, you got Cary Grant, great adventure. Uh, Cary Grant. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, he, the, he's, a, he's that. that. That's my impression of Rob Lowe doing an impression of Cary Grant. The, the, nice. Yeah, he has the, the, the wonderful transatlantic accent. Yes. Um, yes. And then, uh, but those movies are both very uh, highly stylized. They were shot in color uh, mm. and just beautifully sort of like, there are so many shots in those that look like paintings. They're just mm-hmm. so clearly thought out and you can just drink in all the colors. Mm-hmm. And then he goes black and white with Psycho and Psycho, I think best twist ending of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a lot. Like I was pretty young when I saw it for the first time, probably in high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if I had watched it like yesterday for the first time, I would probably see what, the twist ending is yeah. coming, but mm-hmm. at the time I didn't. Yeah, and it was just like, oh, of course, <laughs> and it was. It, but it was it was terrifying and exciting at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, as somebody who has a lifelong terrifying phobia of knives, mm-hmm. this doesn't help. Boy, that movie scared the shit out of me. <laughs> the they the uh, scene in the shower. They the sound they recorded was they just stabbed watermelons. Yes. Oh sure sure. And so you got the, they, the juice noise. And then they show the blood circling the drain. Oh my god! Yeah. It just brutalized me. And the the um also the the ballsiness of killing off who is your supposed lead. to be your protagonist. Yeah. Uh, Janet Lee, I think yes. was her name. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. mom. Yeah. yeah, and they kill her off in. The first act. Well, they promoted it with her on the poster and yeah. everything, and yeah, and then they gone kill her off. Um, it's it's a brilliant movie. Um, I mean, all three of these are amazing for yeah very different reasons. I I mean, I don't. We were complaining about ripoffs before. Is there any worse ripoff other than Gus Van Sant's Psycho with Vince Vaughn and Anne Heche? He a oh, shot I, by shot remake. I, I don't understand the need to make a shot by shot remake. I don't either. It yeah. was It's a very strange thing. Yeah, it was very bizarre that they would spend the money to do that. Yes. Also, I think Anthony Perkins at the time like he had like a softness to his performance which Vince Vaughn never has had or like Vince Vaughn just always kind of like a big loud like It's just how does that line? pitch session go? Yeah. Like, how do you go in and be like, yeah, yeah I want to like, redo hey. the one of the best movies of all time? Yeah. Oh, so are, are you going to make it better? Are you going to change anything? No, 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 no. Just, just, just <laughs> give me color. Yeah. yeah. Color. New people. <laughs> yeah. um, it's it, already, you know what exactly what it's going to be. I have the storyboard for you. It's called This Movie. Yeah. I know. Also, question. I, I know I've heard, I remember, uh, I think it was in college, a professor talking about the absolute um, precision and detail of the planning that Hitchcock went through because studios were always trying to control his movies because yeah. he he was kind of like um, it's my way or the highway or the highway. Thank you. Yeah, I was gonna say it's my way or the roller coaster. What is, what's the saying? <laughs> you got um, it. You got yeah. it. You got it. But I, I never know the right sayings. I don't think. But um, but so he would he would meticulously only shoot exactly what he needed and nothing more. So they, Correct. So they couldn't. So is, so that's not apocryphal. That is actually what happened. He's he was he was a slave to his storyboards. Okay. What okay. he wrote, everything was planned out to the T. Okay. He famously hated production. Okay. He was okay. just like, pre-production's my favorite. Editing's where I get to see it. Actually making this fucking happen is, is a pain in the ass. Yeah. So here's a question. Is he the best? Because the only other people that I can think of 
like that are that meticulously planned out that I know of at least, and please like direct me to others, is the Coen brothers also have heard mm-hmm. is like they they know everything that's gonna happen before. Their shots, as you mentioned before, look a lot like paintings. But Hitchcock, obviously much more prolific. Worked probably in a more difficult, uh, more like um, controlling setting as well. I, is he the best director ever? Uh, I would say Hitchcock probably is the best director ever. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that he was kind of a shitty person, but that's a different discussion. But in terms of the attention to detail and the planning out, and best pre-producer of all time. I, I, I think least. I think uh, Stanley Kubrick would be somebody people would mention. Would be there well. too. Okay. Um, okay. Although I think that's what makes him annoying yeah. but that's also a different episode so. uh but also uh, spoiler alert for listeners kubrick nowhere on this list for either of you so. no no i i actually i looked at uh his but it was um it was a clockwork orange that i dislike that yeah, I discounted like him oh sure sure my, okay yeah okay cool what would the other ones been uh then it was uh Mr. Bananas goes to town. And <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was uh, Doctor Doctor Strange Love. One with a monkey, right? and then one. Um, oh, there we go. Yeah, okay. it was Doctor Strange Love two thousand one. And if you cut out Clockwork Orange, you could go to Barry Lyndon. Which, if you want a movie that is a painting, yes. for three hours, that Barry is the Lyndon. movie. Just most beautifully shot movie of all time. But with lenses on loan from NASA. Wow. Yeah, how about that? Wow. This this episode is full of little tidbits, and I'm loving those kind of things. That's keeping me going here. I, you I got love, it. Yeah. I love nibbling on that. Um, Nathan, thank you very much for your number three. Brian, give it to us. Uh, my number three, arguably, I think a lot of people would put them as their favorite director. I'm going with Steven Spielberg. Oh, wow. We're so surprised by that for Brian. But I think I have an interesting three here. How's that? I have two from 2002. And okay. one from 2004, the one okay. from 2004, I've raved about on the show before. You have? Uh, Minority Report, Catch Me If You Can, The Terminal. Okay. An odd mix of flicks right there in the middle. We have a hard sci-fi, mm-hmm. kind of a- th- Is it a hard sci-fi or is it kind of a light sci-fi? I'll say it's harder than most. Okay. Right. Well, either way, we have a sci-fi, we have a thriller based on a true story, mm-hmm. and then we have a rom-com. Sure. Which I think are three very different, distinctive things mm-hmm. that are done well. Uh, Minority Report, Tom Cruise. Yep, Tom Cruise. You guys uh, learning from the from the balls that get uh, etched by the pre crime, bro. By the precogs, right? Precogs, yeah, yeah, yeah. precogs, pre crime, mm-hmm. pre cum. Mm-hmm. This is what, <laughs> this movie's got everything Man. you need. I, mm-hmm. I I have to throw this out here. I saw a picture of a baby. Wearing a onesie, and the onesie said, Pre-cum is real. <laughs> <laughs> now, how does Spielberg get that joke into a movie? Because that, <laughs> that is good. That is really good. <laughs> does Have you seen Minority Report in the past five years? Does it hold up? Not as much as you would hoping it would. Okay. But enough to enjoy. Okay. All right. This is also still in in Tom Cruise's uh, career phase where he's gelling his hair a lot. I remember that. Yes. Movie. Yeah. So. Yes. My favorite Cruise, I think, with what? gelled Cruise. Yeah. You gelled Cruise. I like gelled Cruise. Yeah. Your favorite is gelled Cruise. Gelled Cruise. No I'm a gelled freaking cruiser. way. Yeah. <laughs> oh my cruise. god. No. 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 <laughs> what, no. What else is in the gelled Cruise era? 
Uh, War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Thank Spielberg you. Spielberg again. All right. Also, yeah. the original Mission Impossible. Joe original Cruz yeah. as well. Yeah, yes. definitely. And Joe. the second one. And the second one. And the second one. And then third one had long hair, but too long a hair. Tom Cruise. Yeah, that's where you got the Rachel. Correct. Yes. Yeah. But the best Tom Cruise is blow dried and floofy late eighties. I mean, that's 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 an obvious, right? <laughs> blow dried and floofy. <laughs> Yeah. I can't even say that. Feather, so dude, beard. feathered and dangerous, man. Absolutely. Feathered and dangerous yeah. instead of gelled up. What are we going to do without Tom Cruise? I have That's no idea. I don't know. No one has the... Okay, we, we're getting off topic here. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Let's go in Cruise territory. You're wearing a Tom Cruise mimic shirt. That is true. I, I mean, come this on. Is, this is like... This is like three layers yeah, away. Mitch, it's Mitch, like is, Mitch is wearing a t-shirt Cruise. that is a bear that is made to look like Tom Cruise. That is actually from what risky is. business. Yes. 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 What yes. is more UBK biz bear than that? <laughs> that is very very true. I mean, who has who has the commitment? Who has the drive? Who has the money? Who has the the insanity to do what Tom Cruise does? I don't know if there's any young actor like that. And speaking of the money, he definitely has it now. Yes. Thanks to his back end points yeah. on Top Gun Maverick, which you're going to see him get a check for one hundred million dollars. Yeah. Wow. Like, Holy cow. Yeah. But like, but like, I mean, could Miles Teller do it? I I mean, based on all this time will he, tell he has. He might he might be able to do that. He can play the the piano. He can now fly a plane. Uh, he, he can get in, in rip roar in good shape. We saw that in the film. Um, well, as long as he can play the piano, then, you know, sky's the limit. That helps, you know. He also he also can play. What is it? He he learned how to play really good drums for Whiplash. Uh, Whiplash. Great flick. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm just yeah. I'm just worried about that mantle. But also, I think perhaps we might only see one Tom Cruise, and we'll never see anyone like him again. And maybe that's the true gift. And maybe that. And maybe that's what it is. Wow. Boy. So catch oh. me if you can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I just, woof. I, I almost fun. started, it's fun almost started to cry a little All bit. these three, yeah. the most rewatchability. Catch me if you can. I do enjoy rewatching. I will always stick onto it. If I see it yeah. on cable, mm -hmm. I will sit and I'll watch it. Because of course, just, you know, you, you got the best Tom Boston Hanks. accent. From Tom Hanks. If 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 by best you mean worst, then yeah. yes. yes. Also, can Carl can we Hayden do Rady. can we do the joke? Because we've done it on this show before. I know because yeah. I made sure to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, Brian, uh, knock knock. Who's there? Go fuck yourself. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yep. Yep. Also, a very young Amy Adams. Also, uh, it, yeah. Uh, uh, stars briefly. Yes. Stars in some some wonderful uh, braces in this film as well. Uh, but I mean, Leo, Leo. Also who doesn't like a young Leo? Leo DeCast scamming everybody. Yeah, this might be his best movie. It's one. Yeah, yeah. I would. I can like. This is the one where I'm like, he is perfect for this. I agree with that because he does. Does he ever show rage in this film? Because I feel like a lot of movies, he's just rage. DiCaprio, where he's just like, I'm gonna put that brown furrow at heart. Maybe when he's maybe when he's caught going crazy at that printing press in France towards the end. Oh yeah, it's not really that. rage, but it's not rage. It's more like but this, I can keep going. It's yeah. more psycho. But this is yeah. this is a movie where he's playing somebody who's playing somebody. Like there's a yeah. performance with like that's there's a second degree. Of, yeah, right. There's there's deep layers to it, just like my t-shirt. So yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then the terminal, which of course I've talked about. I mean. Just a good movie. Just a nice, heartfelt movie of Tom Hanks in a weird accent. Very similar to Catch Me If You Can. He's yeah. really bad at accents. Can we just admit that? Yeah, but he's but he's so lovable because he's Tom Hanks. I mean, he's still America's dad, but he's mm -hmm. not the best at accents. Is his best accent Charlie Wilson's War? 
With the Southern no. kind of thing? No. Is that God, I had to, I didn't finish that movie. <laughs> I couldn't do oh, it. Okay. Well, there <laughs> yeah. you go. I, I need to rewatch that too because I was actually looking at Mike Nichols for my list for a while too, and I did not realize he directed Charlie Wilson's work. Oh, Mike Nichols is a is a true. Yes. It, uh, that's a true classic right there. Okay. Wow. Um, boy, this is this is going to be a tough one. Um, I mean, I believe I did bring up Tom Cruise. You so did bring up Tom Cruise. Three points good. minimum. But catch me if you can. I'm uh, Nathan, or sorry, Brian. I'm giving you two points, Nathan. Um, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna need a why. Why am I only getting two points? Because I, because I, you, you said it yourself. Minority, Minority Report doesn't hold up. And I remember watching that movie and being kind of bored as a younger person. Um, also, you just you brought up gelled Tom Cruise, and you know that's not my favorite. <laughs> Um, fair, fair enough. But uh, like, and, and also, I know you've talked about the terminal in previous episodes, but I wish you would have touched on it a little harder. Just something, one thing. Uh, that, that I'm really inviting you guys over to watch the terminal. Okay. I don't really want to watch the terminal. <laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> we'll watch the terminal. Shine a light. Good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> and the good, bad, and the ugly. Good, bad, and the ugly. Um, It'll take us 42 hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nathan, um, um, you're you're getting two points as well. So, uh, for your number three. All right. So we've got our twos left, and then Nathan's one. Um, Nathan, give me your number two, please. All right. Uh, my number two. I went with Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, the winemaker. The wine. <laughs> yes. The winemaker himself mm. also made can, some movies from time to time. Can I make a guess at what your three are? Go ahead. Yeah, guess. Godfather conversation in part two. You're right. Okay. I thought. I almost, I almost I, did this list. I, I almost did this. I thought for a second of going conversation Godfather 2 Apocalypse Now, which would have been a valid. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but sure, sure. sure. I, I couldn't leave out the original Godfather. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I went. Uh, this was in from what, like 72 to 74. Mm-hmm. He made The Godfather. He made The Godfather Part 2. Godfather Part 2, in my opinion, the best movie of all time. I can agree, yes. Um, but in between the two Godfather movies, he makes the conversation with Gene Hackman and John Cazale. The, like, a, a movie where you just, if you're watching it, you will be sweating and you will be holding on to your chair. Just, it is so tense. It is, it's a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I'm not really sure what I need to say about The Godfather and you The don't. Godfather Part Two. I just this is this is a hot streak. And then you add on the fourth movie, Apocalypse Now. Like, I mean, unbelievable. And then, uh, yeah. and then, and then he then he started doing things that weren't as good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I yes. I've never finished Apocalypse because I think the cut that I had was the extended director's cut. So it's like four and a half hours long and I've never made it to the Brando scenes. (laughs) I haven't even gotten to that point. And I'm just like, uh, you never saw Dennis Hopper. No, but the Dennis Hopper character in apocalypse now is my favorite because he was the prototype for every hippie reference in the Simpsons Mm. where it's just the guy with a headband go, Hey man, (laughs) just such a, like when you watch it backwards, like when you saw The Simpsons first, like I did, and then you mm-hmm. see Dennis Hopper, you're like, oh, that guy's doing an impression of all those cartoon characters. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I what think else I to like say. Heart of Darkness more. I like the documentary of watching him go crazy making the movie. That's is yeah. more interesting than Apocalypse Now. It is. But I did leave Apocalypse Now off my list. I did go yes. 
mm-hmm. with the two Godfathers in the conversation. But I mean, I I, I don't know. There's, is, I, there's no reason for me to go into why the two Godfather yeah. movies are great because it's been talked about. Um, this is good. This is yeah. this is very very close runner up. But this is this is just an incredible run. I mean, three yeah. of the best yes. movies of all time, including, in my opinion, the best movie of all time. So that's good. I do I do like I don't know I don't know why but I do like the scene where De Niro goes and shoots the 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 neighborhood capo the black hand yeah and in, in in Godfather 2 and then he goes and takes the gun apart and drops and all the all the, the towel catches fire yeah like that is like one of the most visceral things I've ever seen like yeah. oh shit that could happen couldn't it yeah. well it's just, it's such a it's such an amazing story because it's so stylized with uh I mean the beautiful shots of of the city and the guy walking with uh, the the coat the over his up. arms where he doesn't put his arms through the mm-hmm. thing. But then you, when uh, De Niro or, you know, the Godfather himself mm-hmm. sees, he just sees that moment of weakness and he's like, I got him. Mm-hmm. And then he goes through with it. It's um, yeah. I mean, I don't, it's just, it's just a perfect movie. It is yeah. uh, one experience I've never had. Have you ever seen the full Godfather cut in chronological order? Oh my god, yeah. I've never sat through that. I want to try that. Like that's on my list to go yeah. through all 3 in chronological. Well, order. I mean you you, you don't need turn to watch it. Yeah, you don't need to you don't need to watch Godfather Part 3. Nobody yeah. ever needs to watch it. It's a shame that it exists um because the first two as a unit are perfect storytelling. Yes. Not not filmmaking. Bigger than that. Yes. Perfect storytelling. Hmm. It's funny. I always thought that the 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 three was the because that was that was the one I watched on was it Stars or Cinemax <laughs> or something. But three, I, I watched remember, it on a plane. I think that's what <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it, I think it did take one flight from L.A. to Chicago actually for for the third. Um, <laughs> Just to but, watch it. That's the other reason I took the plane. Yeah, that's it. Well, I want to get to watch this movie. I mean, I I hate to say it, but you're right. These are these are classics. Um, as someone who didn't watch the full Godfather until about. Four years ago, probably like all the way through, sat down. First one, a little slow, little slow. Oh, I can see that. It's fine. A little slow, but that, but that's okay. I know Nathan's looking at me with that look. My like, like, soul Mitch, is catching on fire like, right now. Like, Mitch, <laughs> yeah. you need to shut your mouth and walk out the room. Um, but uh, so because of that look, actually, I'm going to give you three points. So uh, you, you stare me down just like the Godfather himself. I do feel fear in my bones now. Um, where, where am I being cast in this film? Oh, you would be uh, you'd be the guy who called out sick in the first Godfather and then uh, get shot in the back of the head, take the gun, <laughs> leave the cannoli yes. or take the no, leave the gun, take the, the cannoli. Cannolis, yeah. Yes. Yeah. There that'd be that'd be you. OK. I mean, I don't love that role, but Car- I'll take uh, it. Yeah. What was, what I was going to cast thing? you as the Catherine Zeta-Jones part in the terminal. Oh, yeah. I, I, get, I get to tiss, tiss, tiss Tommy Hanks. I get to kiss Tommy Hanks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's nice. OK. Um, not too bad. Not too bad. All right, uh, Brian, I need your number two now. Can can you match up with his number two? Uh, no, I can't. You can't. Wow. I can't. I can't. But I did pick Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, you you weren't wrong there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Why? What? Wow. I'm just... Such contempt for the <laughs> semi-Englishman. Okay. Uh, I want the prestige, the dark knight, Inception. Mm. Those three in a row. Sure, sure, sure. Inception was tough. To have yep. that be the third one, yep. yeah, that do it, but, it there. but Inception for the swing of trying something different, having that be the one you put right after your follow up to Dark Knight, trying something completely different, mm-hmm. and somebody giving you a billion dollars to do so mm-hmm. is uh, is intriguing. So mm-hmm. uh, the Prestige, 
We're talking David Bowie as Tesla in this, guys. Yep. Prestige is awesome. Prestige is fucking cool. Yeah. And I rewatched it recently because it'd been a while since I seen the ending. And I remember the first time having a like a feeling when I saw the ending. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, would that happen again when I know what's coming? Mm-hmm. And I got it again. Wow. Like you're like, oh man, this is clever. And it all works together. And like mm-hmm. the horrifying thing that Hugh Jackman's character has to go through with like dealing with personal demons and all that shit. Mm-hmm. And then the actual twist is fantastic and it works. Mm-hmm. And the first time I saw the movie, I didn't see it coming. I have to point this out. Yes. That this movie also features Michael Caine, who is the only <laughs> other celebrity I can do an impression of. And I had to fit them in in this one episode. Not Never. bad. I mean, I, that's, that's pretty good. That's, that's not bad. But I, yes. if, if, if I close my eyes, I would believe my cocaine was in the room. Absolutely. That was great. That <laughs> yes. was n- nice job. Nice job. Um, he's also in the other, the, all the movies, right? He, he is in all three of these movies. C. Knowles just loves that cane action. I mean, <laughs> Raisin Canes. That's, That's true. Right there. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dark Knight, easily best superhero movie of all time. Ever. Because mm-hmm. it's not really a superhero movie. It's just a great movie. Also, also, can I point out the only superhero movie where the um, of the total gross, international gross, more than 50% of it came from the U.S. So it wow. is a U.S. film, baby. Americans love it. Number one. Here we go. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> it's also the only superhero movie that I was supposed to be an extra in, but was too hungover to make it down there. So... <laughs> There's, there's that. I missed that. that. That was the. It was shot the year before I started going. To yeah, DePaul. it was. It was oh, 07. 07. It yeah. was June of 07. I was supposed to be there, and uh, well, things you got fucked out of up. Hand. You fucked mm-hmm. up. You pulled well, a Mitchie boy. I was, I was on the waiting list. Okay, so it wasn't a guarantee. Um, but you still missed your opportunity. I definitely have blamed myself for Heath Ledger's death every day since. Oh, well, good. <laughs> that's 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 proud. I'm proud of you for doing that. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yes. And then again, back to Inception. At least he he took a swing. Yeah. You know what? There's parts of it that make sense. Tom Hardy's character makes absolutely no sense in the entire movie. No idea how he oh, works. Yeah, it fits doesn't. into the plot. Makes yeah, no sense. Right. No, yeah, yeah. But the idea of being able to control dreams and drop into dreams and the whole time thing, like anything that messes with time, I get intrigued by. I love time travel and all that shit. So mm-hmm. when somebody at least tries to express a new idea. Uh, yeah. Well, think about this. He loves time travel now. Wow, that broke my brain there. Um, Brian, you're getting two points because you have to be a fan of all three movies. You can't undersell one of your movies. I'm sorry, so I can't give you the full three. I don't care. It's fine. Yeah. I'd rather be known as an honest man on okay. this podcast <laughs> okay. instead of anything else. Okay, well... Um, I, I, I respect you for that, and uh, I can... Um, I can't even go into my number ones, because I already did it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, what we have left is Nathan's number one. Let's hope uh, it lives up to the hype. Well, I'm going to go with the Coen brothers. Hey! Woo-hoo! <laughs> to the host! Yeah. Love it, baby! Thought I'd go with Mitch's favorite directors, the Coen brothers. Wow. Did you know? Did you know they were my favorite directors? I've, I we've had met, yes, we've met you. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. So there was some good stretches to choose from here, yep. but I, it was very clear when I looked at the filmography. Stretches. Incredible stretches. Incredible stretches. Sorry. I I went. I start with Fargo, mm-hmm. Big Lebowski, and then Oh mm-hmm. Brother, Where Art Thou? My first runner-up, right there. I should have put it on the list, <laughs> but it, I haven't seen Oh Brother. 
Wow. I know. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. I know. Um, I know. Fargo is, and I believe this is true to this day, Fargo is my sister's favorite movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Has been since we were, I mean, I don't know, like 12, 13. Yes. You know. We Ooh, saw the dark movie side, on TV. Laurel. Laurel. Wow. She, yeah, Good it's it's her. a bit it's a bit darker. My sister is a very optimistic and positive person, but that mm-hmm. movie is pretty dark, but also hilarious mm-hmm. in very dark ways. Then we move on to the Big Lebowski, which is completely different mm-hmm. and completely weird, mm-hmm. and maybe the most rewatchable movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's good. every every <laughs> every scene is just goofy and weird and strange, and then you have. Of course, Sam Elliott, the stranger, Sarsaparilla, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. with the 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 narration alone, I could listen to for ASMR purposes for mm-hmm. years on end. And then we go to Oh Brother, We're Out There, which uh, is uh, is a visual feast. Mm-hmm. It is a classic retelling of uh, Homer's Odyssey. Mm-hmm. It has. The soundtrack to end all soundtracks, mm-hmm. which actually reinvigorated this, a whole genre of music it, as well. It did. And that this T Bone Burnett. Yeah. T Bone Burnett was oversaw the music. At, he also was uh, involved in the music on uh, Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. And But I actually, my first concert I ever went to in either 1989 or 1990, I was three years old. And my parents went down to Macomb, Illinois to, it was called something like Heritage Days or something, some sure. uh, glorified county fair there. And there was a band playing. There were a few bands playing. And like, I actually have a slight memory of it. Like it's one of my earliest memories. It was the mm-hmm. first concert I ever went to. And it was like a 19 year old Allison Krauss in Union Station. I wow. saw them from like, 15 feet away because there were a hundred people in the audience. Um, so it was pretty cool when, you know, 10 years later, our, that movie came out and they blew up and it was, it was huge, but that's awesome. We saw them. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, all three of these movies are so great and they're so unique. Like I, if you showed them to, uh, somebody who was unaware of who had made them, I don't think there's anything that you could link them together. And you could be like, oh, those were definitely made by the same people. They are just completely yeah. different, completely unique. They are yeah. all masterpieces in their own way. And also Mitch is the host, so I have to play to him. So that's why it's my number one. It's a good. I mean, uh, there is there is a couple linkages, of course, uh, but Buscemi between Fargo and Big Lebowski and then Totoro between O'Brother and Big Lebowski. But, True. But beyond that, though, very, very small. Um I I just yeah I I will say I think I think Fargo for me also as person is right up there with Big Lebowski for for rewatchability. I would agree. Uh, it is um, so wonderful the performances by him, especially um, uh, Francis McDormand as Marge. I mean the most the most capable, wonderful, like badass takes care of it all in the end. Uh, female pregnant cop like you can't get any, you get great eating scenes in there too you yes. see her eating mm-hmm. that's awesome and then one of the best uh the best like it, it's it's a feeling you get when when someone talks down to you but in a nice way in minnesota when she at the end um P- peter stormare is in the back of her cop she's like all this for just a little bit of money that's yes. all it is and then she says and it's a beautiful day yep and it's a beautiful day but my favorite scene 
the very end, mm-hmm. after everything that's happened, all the doom and gloom and the darkness, mm-hmm. is she tells it's I can't remember exactly what it is, but she's talking to her husband who works at the post office. The two cent about oh, yeah. the the two cent stamps, mm-hmm. and it's just it's so genuine. She like she's been through a whole murder case. She's done these epic things. She's risen to the occasion. She has been a superhero. Like a, a normal but what about per- but what about your day? <laughs> yeah, and then but then it's just it's so loving. Mm-hmm. Is she just she just forgets all of that and she's like, let me focus on what I can say to make my partner happy in this moment. Yes. It's just mm-hmm. beautiful. It's a mm-hmm. really wonderful little button on the entire film. Mm-hmm. And I, I love her her husband also. Uh, I wish I could remember the, the actor's name off the top of my head. It's but three names. It's like Thomas Hayden Church, but it's not. Yeah, uh, I will. But he he's played like a, a serial killer in a number of movies. Yeah, like he, mm-hmm. he can be very creepy. He's a Zodiac. Yeah, yeah, he was in Zodiac. But yeah, when he's true. like, "Oh, Marge, I don't know," and he's like, "No, Norm, people need those two centers." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I will say that she had a I her Minnesota accent was the best in the movie, because um, Bill Macy's is like a little over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I I rank the accents though definitely hers is number one and then Bill Macy's uh, father in law, uh, yes especially yeah. the way he says Golden Gophers Golden Oh Gophers. we're watching the Gophers yeah. that's like I hear that and I'm like right back to being a seven year old sitting at my grandparents' house and they're trying to find the hockey game like immediately <laughs> zoomed back to that space. There's there's so. one other little scene I have to mention sure which uh, they. It's just the two guys shoveling their walk. He's like, he's like, oh well, you know, I saw something, and so they said I should call it in, so I call it in, and then they they could end the scene there, but they stay there, and he's like, oh, looks like you know they say it's gonna snow, and then the two guys, it just shows them they both turn away from each other and look at the sky, which is just completely gray, <laughs> as if that is somehow gonna tell them about the what. It's just. Because, I mean, I grew up in a town of a thousand people. I've seen that interaction so many times. And it doesn't advance the story. It's nothing. But it's so authentic. It mm-hmm. really is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Uh, Nathan, you, I mean, you were, you, you you might as well just like swaddled me and fed me a bottle here. <laughs> like this is, I, I love you so much for, for giving me the, the Coen brothers at number one. Um, I appreciate you swallowing any pride and making them your number one too. Cause I know you probably would have wanted a better director uh, potentially at number one. So three points for you. That's no surprise. Um, is th- any last casting ideas out there for me? Uh, oh yeah. Sense? I have you as Brant in the Big Lebowski. Oh, <laughs> that's Philip pretty Seymour good. Hoffman that's role. pretty good. Yeah. Brian, that, that is, I don't think I can top that. Is that you? You're. You're. you're I gonna... just. I just want to. I just want to say. Uh, I just would love to play the dude and have you as Brant. Oh, that'd we, be perfect. When we when we look at the picture of uh, Nancy Reagan and you tell me that Ronald wasn't around, <laughs> and I say, "Oh well, Nancy's not too bad." And then you have you say, "Wonderful woman." <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I have an idea. Let's shoot that. Scene. Let's, let's shoot that. Let's do it. I'm not going to jump in because I feel like that Reagan transition could not be beat. <laughs> that, that that absolutely cannot be beat. Nathan, you are a high-level uh, operator. All right, let me tally these up quick. You're getting the five-point bonus, of course, and I think that's probably going to lead to the victory. Let's see here quick. Three, six, eight, ten. Yep. I can guarantee it's going to lead to the yep, victory. Yep, 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 yep. Six, seven, nine. Woo! 12, 15, 20 points for Nathan. A big double the score of Brian. Nathan, good job today. You won our... 
top five directors with three film hot streaks. What an absolutely specific title. Um, okay, here we go. <laughs> now it's time for the Fast Five, guys. Here it comes. These are the top five Ronald Reagan movie lines we'll never forget, but he definitely did. Number five. <laughs> this is from 1951's Bedtime for Bonzo. Well, it's fairly simple. A lot of people think they're born better than others. I'm trying to prove it's the way you raise that counts. But even a monkey brought up in the right surroundings could learn the meaning of decency and honesty. Um, Wait, this is real? This is real. Oh, God. <laughs> I was going to have a comment, but enough said there. Okay, here, number four from 1954's Cattle Queen of Montana, starring Barbara Stanwyck as a cattle queen who strips off the petticoats and straps on her guns to get her land and cattle back from evil rancher Tom McCord with the help of his hired gun, Farrell, played by Ron Reagan, uh, bumbled through by our future president, Tom McCord. No notches, new job, new gun. Now, when examining this line delivered by, slowly <laughs> delivered by Ronald Reagan, it reflects and reminds me of some, some of the most enduring statements by criminals. And I like to think of Ronnie Reagan uh, dropping everything he's ever stood for ever in his past and creating something anew every time he runs for office and becomes president. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. Number three. <laughs> 1942's Desperate Journey, where Ronald tries his best to shine in the shadow of Errol Flynn as Americans desperate to flee Nazi Germany after their plane gets shot down. How come every time you wake me up, I have a date with Ann Sheridan? Time to come back to reality, <laughs> Mr. President. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> it was so hard finding quotes of his. Like, they all are terrible. I mean, that's kind of obvious. Number two, 1951 Storm Warning, starring our favorite raisin and Doris Day as a woman married to a Klansman, <laughs> whose who's traveling dress model sister, played by Ginger Rogers, st stops in her sleepy little racist town for a visit. And here's Ronnie's line. Hear that yelling out there? That's the Klan. They just found out that law and order can't touch them. You did that when you let them off. They're running wild. They're going to rip up the old laws and make new ones. They're going to do every rotten thing they can think of doing. Now, Ronnie, were you ideating to a future <laughs> self um, who also forgets a lot but is an evil bastard? That's what it seems like in this one here. Uh, Ronnie himself <laughs> lived out that quote pretty spectacularly as president. Number one. 1942's King's Row, where our caven-chested Gipper plays a man who gets his trust fund stolen, so he's got to work for the railroad, and some tiles falls on his legs, so they're <laughs> amputated. <laughs> who wrote this? <laughs> Randy? Randy, where's the rest of me? <laughs> Are you sure you were just talking about your legs, Ronnie? And that's this week's episode of oh. Uber Cinco. <laughs> Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. And once again, we love that hearty wom word of mouth. So please tell your friends and send them your favorite episode. I want to thank the man who played to my love uh, this this week. Nathan Enfant. Thank you so much. And Brian, love your movies. And don't, don't back off that. I won't. Okay. Um, that was Brian Ernst. Sorry. And I've been Mitch Brinkman. And as BizBear always says, the Charmin bears are posers. I use Lee's like a real apex predator. Auf Wiedersehen and adios. <laughs> Where's the rest of me? <laughs> That's unbelievable. That's great. 
You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Midwestern boys.